Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. When it comes to pelvic floor issues, the struggle is real. I hear from so many women who plan their days around the availability of a bathroom or who simply wear pads every day to prevent leakage and to plan for the just-in-case. They're worried. They're worried about having an accident out in public and feeling embarrassed that they can't control the urge to go. And that is why I'm taking time today to revisit this topic here on the podcast and re-release an important interview with Issa Herrera. We need to address this head on because there is so much that we can do to correct the issue. No woman should stop going out or doing the activities that she loves, including having sex for fear of leakage or due to pain. I want you to know that it's not a normal part of aging or inevitable because of perimenopause or menopause, no matter what people or doctors are saying. Pelvic pain and bladder-related issues such as UTIs are often connected to problems associated with the pelvic floor, including weak pelvic floor muscles. But the good news is that we have a lot of control over how strong those muscles are and the function of our pelvic floor. And that is why I invited one of my best friends and experts in the field to shed light on exactly how we can start to do that today. Now, pelvic floor disorders have become common According to the National Institute of Health Study, more than a quarter of women, 27%, ages 40 to 59, are affected by a pelvic floor disorder, with the percentage increasing to 37% in women ages 60 to 79 and 50% in ages 80 and above. The big message takeaway here from these numbers is not that pelvic floor issues are normal or a simple part of aging but that far too many of us aren't getting the help that we need or getting the variety of effective treatments available to us. And here's the deal, we don't need to suffer in silence. Issa Herrera has devoted decades of her life as a practitioner to reverse pelvic pain and pelvic floor dysfunction. And she's gonna break it down literally exactly how we can manage it today so that we can begin to experience success no matter what level of pelvic pain we're dealing with. Understanding our pelvic floor muscles and how they work is the first step, and applying Issa's easy solutions is the next step. Luckily, she makes it so easy because she's been doing this for so long. Plus, she's gonna be taking it a step further today and providing us with a free report and guide to overcome leaking, prolapse, and weakness, which will be in the show notes for today's episode. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Issa Herrera. How are you doing today, girl? I am feeling awesome, feeling good. So happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Marisa. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I have had so many women wanting your message and we've made it happen. Bring it on, girl. I'm going to answer as much as I can and give as much as I can. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. We're talking about the pelvic floor 
and why it's so important for optimal health for us as women. And you and I know that this is not a conversation that enough women are having. It tends to be a taboo conversation. A lot of women don't realize that by strengthening and supporting our pelvic floor, we really can live in high vitality. So talk to me a little bit about, I just want to hear your story. I want, I want my audience to get to know you. Tell me a little bit about your journey and what inspired you to do this beautiful work. You know, you never know when things are going to go south, as they say, right? Mm -hmm. And I was in physical therapy school and I was doing my thing. I was doing, I was a personal trainer, been a personal trainer for over 25 years. Thought I knew everything about the body. Then I have my baby girl. While I was in PT school, I learned absolutely nothing about women's health, how to care for these really delicate muscles. And I think I got a 30 minute anatomy lesson on these muscles. So when I had my girl, I had so much trauma in the pelvis. And I honestly didn't know how to care for myself. So I went on what I call the Dr. Rose Show, hopping from one doctor to another doctor to another doctor and letting them inject my vagina with Botox and giving me all kinds of medications and antibiotics. And what I realized after I had come from one, this one doctor's office, who will remain nameless, holistic doctor, and she had poured a purple chemical on my vagina. And I let her do it because I didn't know. And when you're desperate for help, you're going to try almost anything. And as I was walking out of her office with my purple vagina, I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I felt humiliated. I was ashamed. I was like, why didn't I say something? What is this therapy that she gave me? And I had this aha moment, right, when I hit this wall that I knew that lifestyle medicine, because I come up from, I come from a, a lineage of traditional healers, that lifestyle medicine and holistic care was the way to go. And right there and then I said, I will never go to another doctor again for this. I'm mm. going to help and I'm going to heal this and I'm going to figure it out, not only for myself, but for other women, because I didn't want other people to go through, other women to go through what I went through. It was, it was a long, unnecessary, painful journey of complete suffering, what I call the dark night of the soul. Mm. Maybe you've heard that expression yes. before, right? And honestly, it took a lot. But then once I realized that it was just a muscle, instead of doing bicep curls, you would do curls with your vaginal muscles. And once I realized that all I'm dealing with here is bones, muscles, ligaments, and fascia, I made that connection. I was like, oh, I get it. I just have to learn about it and, and, and understand how to train it. And so I pivoted my entire life. I think if I hadn't had that experience with my daughter, I probably would have still been doing orthopedics, you know, what I call simple orthopedics, treating the neck, the back, the spine. So that, that's my journey. That's my story. I call it the purple vagina journey. I love it. <laughs> Did it surprise you at all? One, because you didn't learn about it in school. Two, there wasn't a lot of information out there. Did it surprise you to know that so many other millions of women were dealing with the same thing? I think that the most astonishing thing for me when I discovered that we have one out of three or 30 million women in the U.S. alone suffering from chronic sexual pain, we have 49% of women with urinary incontinence leaking urine involuntarily when they cough, sneeze, or laugh. And then we have 50% of older women who are going through the transition in menopause with pelvic organ prolapse. I felt like oh my God, this is so much bigger than you, Isa. This is not just about you anymore. And I felt like that was the moment that I stopped feeling alone. That I was like, okay, 
you're not the only one. You just didn't know that other women were in the same boat as you. And I think that that's when I decided that I was going to open up what I call the Pussy Palace on Madison Avenue, a very lucrative brick and mortar practice that I had over 12 years on Madison Avenue. And I just took care of women's pelvic floor. And when I started that practice, everybody would say, oh, this is too niche. This will never work. Your practice is going to fail. Mm-hmm. And they were wrong. Women from all over the world would come because they need this work. And there's not a lot of places. And they help women with their pelvic floors and help them the right way. So it's, it's been an extraordinary journey. And I'm actually really grateful that I had that experience, right? When you look back, right, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back, right? Mm-hmm. When I look back, you know, all that suffering, I say it didn't go in vain. Because then yeah. that would be upsetting, you know? Absolutely. The next thing I wanted to know, because I was thinking about, and I didn't know you had a practice for 12 years in New York. That's so wonderful. That's so great. I often find that women so often, I'm assuming this is when they came to you was once they were kind of in trouble. They were really experiencing a lot of pain. How do we set ourselves up for success? How do we begin to protect our pelvic floors? When is there a good time to start protecting our pelvic floors? I think with this protection of the pelvic floor, it has to start as early as possible with educating our girls. And, you know, as soon as we have the talk with them, we should also be talking about the pelvic floor, right? So that they become, they, they have this understanding that the pelvic floor is a deep connector of the upper and lower extremity. It is the essence and the vitality of women, right? But we get confused. We start to think, oh no, there's nothing that I can do for that because it's a medical issue. But it's really not. It's a muscular issue. It's not a psychological disorder. So I think the most important thing is to understand that it's a muscle. And the way you wouldn't strain other muscles in the body by doing things that produce your symptoms is the same way that we would be thinking about the pelvic floor. And then we want to be preemptive and take preventative care by doing a set of Kegels, reverse Kegels, really taking care of our core making sure we don't have a diastasis recti separation. You know, everybody calls that the mummy tummy, especially after pregnancy and childbirth. And I believe that training the whole body, right? So we're, we're just not thinking about our pelvic floor as one isolated. It's, it's, it's the whole thing, the hormonal system, the nervous system, the circulatory system. It's everything. It's not just the muscular system. So I think running, you know, being careful if you're symptomatic when you're running, cut that out. I consider sitting the new smoking for the pelvic floor. So really limiting your sitting and being careful, especially if you work from home, to have a proper ergonomic station to make sure that you're not overly gripping by doing 10,000 Kegels because that's not going to work. You think it's going to work, but it's actually going to make you more symptomatic. So these are the simple things. I think that sometimes we look for these grandiose things that we're going to do. Oh my God, I'm going to do the biggest thing ever. But it's actually everyday behaviors that we need to modify so that we're really successful with the pelvic floor. You mentioned Kegels, and I know it's the one thing that women hear a lot about, right? Talk to me about a little bit about Kegels, the benefits, the pros. Are, are they something like if we're starting to, like, let's say I start to have, I start to have urinary incontinence or I am struggling with a painful intercourse, are Kegels the place to start? That's a great question. Thank you for asking that because there's so much controversy on the internet, right? They say, don't do Kegels, do Kegels, you know? And I think that women are really confused. I think the important thing, right? Everybody's confused. I don't know what to do. Yeah, (laughs) nobody knows what to do. So Kegels should be considered medicine, right? And like medicine, 
or like a supplement, you would take the proper dosage, you would take the, the right amount and, and the frequency, right? What a lot of women don't understand is that there are over 25 different types of Kegels, right? Which is I created an online program for that because there was so much confusion about the Kegels. And if the vaginal muscles are too tight, right? Tense vagina, they call it, or non-relaxing, then those women have no business doing Kegels, right? They should be it doing It just something. makes it more tense. Just yeah. It, yeah. More okay. tense, creates more trigger points, can create more spasms, can create the scar tissue to become more inflexible if there's been a, a, some sort of trauma to the pelvis. So Kegels work, but they're not for everybody. And they have to be done in a way that makes sense for your body. And so sometimes what I, what I like is for women to get a little bit of guidance with their Kegels and make sure that they can test themselves intervaginally. I believe that, that yes, if you want to seek a pelvic physical therapist, that's a great thing. But at the end of the day, you have to care for yourself and you have to learn how to progress your own program. And you have to look at your vagina and test these muscles yourself. It's not that complicated. You know, speaking of, no, I agree. Speaking of, you know, a practitioner versus what we can do at home. Is it necessary? Like, I know that you have done such a marvelous job at giving women the exact protocols and recommendations and daily things to do every single day. Are there instances where we may not need a practitioner that we can just, just do what you tell us? Yeah, I think, you know, it's like everything else. If you you should always get checked out by a gynecologist, make sure there's nothing organically wrong, mm-hmm. right? But eventually, when you go see a practitioner, the responsibility of that practitioner, and this is my philosophy, is partnership healthcare, which means that the practitioner is there to empower you to learn more about your body so that the practitioner becomes obsolete. So I don't believe in prolonged physical therapy that's going to take, you know, months and months and months. I believe that all women should learn this work as part of being a woman. Mm. So whether you see a physical therapist or not, you still need to learn how to do this work. But if you feel like you need some help in learning the techniques, then by all means, go seek somebody, right? But eventually, you're the master of your own destiny. You're the master of your own vagina, right? You have to learn how to massage it. You have to learn how to exercise it. You have to understand that there's other muscles that interconnect with the pelvic floor and you have to treat those like the core, sensible core, no crunches. I don't like crunches for pelvic power. So it's really interesting. It's like, it's an individual thing. It it takes a certain mindset and a certain kind of woman who would join a program like mine who really understands, or maybe she's been through the Dr. Rose show and she's disgusted and she's got no help and now she's taking matters into her own hands. So it really depends. But I believe that all women should be checked out with somebody who actually knows what they're doing, like a pelvic pain specialist or something like that. And I would say that there's still few and far between, or or am I wrong? No, I mean, the, the ones, I think there's few and far between. I think there's a lot of people out there who know that there's a lot of women in help, and then they can see this as an opportunistic thing where they can actually make more money from it. So I believe that you really got to check the person's credentials and get referrals because this is your life force. This is the essence of your being. This is your vitality. This is the seed of creation, right? And so why wouldn't you do triple check on the person that you're going to? Right. Well, I'm just why I'm so grateful that you are doing this incredible work because you can give us 
resources and, and what, what to look out for. And then most importantly, you know, how, where do we even get started? Which is why I'm so happy to have, you You know, my audience has loved your program. And because there are so many women who feel so lost in this place, they're not finding the right practitioners are not getting the answers that they deserve are not getting the type of care and, and are feeling, you know, like they don't know where to navigate. And I think you've done such a great job because you've been in their shoes. You've been there, you know, where the doctor dismissed you or you didn't, you know, or you got pills or someone put purple stuff on you. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> you've been down that road. I love, I love that you said that the doctor road show, like, <laughs> yeah, that's my hashtag. You know, what's ironic about this whole thing is that I'm not even making this up. No, I, the, the research not. shows that the average woman with pelvic floor dysfunction sees up to five to seven doctors before she's properly diagnosed for something that can be treated with lifestyle medicine and holistic techniques. Yeah, I wonder how many times women are recommended antidepressants or anxiety medication in those moments. All the time. I mean, I can time. speak I can speak for myself and I've treated over 14,000 women personally. I've overseen over 52,000 healings in my healing center and what I can tell is that they start to pigeonhole women and you know, we can take a survey on this and I mean, the stories that you hear and they such as to put you in the corner saying, oh no, this is an issue of you're unhappy. This is an issue of that you're depressed. This is an issue where you are frigid. I hear crazy things like that. Oh, you don't love him enough. Or there is an issue of hysteria. Hysteria. Because right? yep. you believe this? I can totally believe this. I was like, they're, they're being designated as hysterical, mm-hmm. that they're crazy. Mm-hmm. That yeah. they're making it up. That yeah. especially with pain. You know, this happens with endometriosis as well. You know, it takes an average of 10 years for a woman to get an endometriosis diagnosis. And because people do not believe that women are in pain, especially in the pelvic area. Yeah, 100%. And the thing with endometriosis is that those women absolutely need to have a pelvic floor physical therapy. And what I find is that sometimes that's not recommended. Or they need to do internal work. I've seen miracles happen where the pain diminishes substantially with pelvic floor care. And sometimes they're like, take this med, get on Lupron, let's shut you down. Instead of saying, hey, let's just work with the body and the container. Let's, let's figure out what's going on and really get the woman to somebody who can get a real accurate assessment. Come mm-hmm. on. It's the United States. I are agree. we still that backwards? Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, yes, we, we are. are. <laughs> Absolutely, we are. That's why we're, girl, that's why we're having this conversation. That's why you do the work you do. So let's go into some more detail examples for, let's say, women with who are having a cesarean birth. Most likely, or is it in your experience that they are potentially going to have pelvic floor issues? That is such a great question because I created a program for cesarean women who've has you know, women who've had cesarean births because... Mm-hmm. Women come to me, they're like, well, nothing came out of my vagina. I don't understand why I'm leaking and I don't understand why I'm having this sexual pain, right? But we have to remember that the baby was in your body for nine months. Nine months. So there's physiological changes there, biomechanical changes. But on top of that, the fascia, right? They don't cut through the abdominals when they do a cesarean birth, but they do cut through the fascial system. And the abdominal fascial system is interconnected with the pelvic floor like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm -hmm. They love each other. 
And when there's this harmony in the core, whether there be a diastasis, erectile separation, or scar tissue, or trigger points, or spasms, or even an appendicitis or a gallbladder removal, women will still get some symptoms in the pelvis because the whole system is out of whack. Yeah. 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 I think we forget. We always, oh, well, we're over here doing this. Like, no, it's all interconnected, especially when it comes to fascia, especially when it comes to the ligaments. And so I can imagine you had so many women, you know, and probably no one hearing this, but so many women coming to you and saying, oh my gosh, something isn't right here. Does this also correlate to then the, I think the area where I see, because I take care of a lot of women in perimenopause and menopause um, is going to be urinary incontinence. What can we do when we're beginning to notice that we're leaking, that we don't have the pelvic floor strength to ensure that our, our bladder is functioning properly. Oh my God, there's so many things that you can do. I think the first thing is, because I love your program and I love all everything that you do, is that really using essential oils to sort of do something to normalize the hormonal system. Because we have to remember that these sphincters that close off the urine and close off the feces in the air, they are highly saturated with estrogen receptors and testosterone receptors. So sometimes we need a little help in that department. Mm-hmm. And also the, the, the atrophic changes that can happen to the vaginal tissue that can also be a trigger for pelvic floor dysfunction. So I find that, that taking care of, of that is important, right? The hormonal system and really figuring out how you want to do it whether you want to do replacement, you want to do oils, it's totally up to you. But the other thing is that the muscles become weaker. So we have to be more diligent with the Kegel and reverse Kegel exercises. And we have to take even better care. This happened to me when I was in menopause, when I went through the change, it was shocking because I had no idea. I said, wait a minute, my pelvic floor is so tight. It's so strong. What's going on here? And it's because I needed a little bit of estrogen just to boost up the receptors. So I believe that really being in a very well curated total body conditioning program, and sometimes you can use vaginal weights during menopause. So you can use a yoni egg, right? To bring, to heighten the awareness of the Kegel and the reverse Kegel, right? What I don't want women to do is to do 10,000 Kegels and feel like that's going to solve their problems because everything is interconnected. And every time that you squeeze, you have to release and you have to open up and you have to relax, right? Because if you don't have that full range of motion, then you're still going to leak in when you're in perimenopause and menopause, right? Mm, that's important. So it's not a matter... I guess what I guess what we're finding or what you're finding is women are just are doing all these kegels really fast and they're not actually maybe doing the full and the full release, the full all the way through motion, but then also that there's other complexities when it comes to bladder control that we need to look at. Absolutely. And bladder irritants, I mean, avoiding bladder irritants is really critical, like carbonated drinks, tomato sauce, even chocolate that's a bladder irritant. So And I also believe that with bladder issues, sometimes you have to like track it because when you track your bladder, you track your leaking, sometimes you can correlate it back to an activity or you can correlate it back to something that's, that you're eating. Or sometimes you can just figure out if your pelvic health program is working. And the thing is, so women are doing just one set of Kegels, but if you're working your bladder, you may want to shift your Kegel to work you know, the pelvic floor is like a box, right? With four walls. And so maybe you want to do a Kegel that that really activates the anterior wall, which is what holds up the bladder and the uterus. 
right? Or maybe if you had a tear and the tear was on the left side of your perineum, like what happened to me with my daughter, that side becomes very weak. So maybe you want to do a left-sided Kegel. So the intricacies of pelvic health is not one size fits all, is you have to find the medicine that your body jives with and that your, your body resonates with. And then you should track it because when you track it, then you can tell if it's actually working. Because how do we know if it's really working? It's very subjective. So we got to bring it out of the subjectivity and bring it more objective. Got it. Got it. I was thinking about like knowing anterior versus posterior or reverse kegels versus the other kegels. How do we go about learning these things? I don't think I know what a reverse kegel is. And nobody knows. I coined that about 10 years ago, actually 12 years ago. Because what I found when I first opened my practice on Madison Avenue was that everybody had what I call Kegel tension syndrome. That's when you Kegel yourself to death, right? And women who were inappropriate for Kegels, like what do you do with them to create flexibility, suppleness, and to get the muscle strong again? What I discovered, and I should have TM'd this word, I don't even know if I could do that, you know, trademark it, is that we have to open and release and let go in order to pull back, contract. So the reverse Kegel is done with inhalation, which is why I created my program, because I wanted women to understand that one size doesn't fit all, and that if something doesn't work, don't give up on it, because you haven't really tried something else. And it's really cool when you have options, right? So for every Kegel, there's a reverse Kegel. Kegels are done with the exhalation breath, and reverse Kegels are done with the inhalation. It's sort of like meditation for your vagina. Mm, I like reverse that. Reverse Kegel is meditation for the vagina. If you do diaphragmatic breathing, bring it lower, right? Diaphragmatic breathing is focused on the belly. But what I tell my patients and my clients is to bring it down a little bit lower so that you're feeling the opening, right? And it's really important as women that we feel that opening because that's how we initiate lovemaking, right? That's how we allow, and this is how we become more receptive and we can receive, right? Because life is about being able to receive. And when I find, and this is a, my opinion, that when women have trouble in their pelvic floor, they shut it down. They shut it down. I can imagine. Oh my goodness. I was thinking, you know, and I don't know if this comes up as well for you, Isa, but my thought is that it does. I grew up, I had a little, little Mexican Catholic grandma. And you didn't talk about down there or go down there or nothing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think a lot of that, there's a lot of stigma in general. Do you find that there has been complications or difficulties with women who the whole pelvic area, the whole vaginal area is an area that isn't discussed or isn't talked about? Have you, have you come across those types of stigmas with women? Absolutely. I'm glad that you asked this because I think that this is the number one hindrance to total female healing. And it's that we start to think that we're broken, that something is wrong with us, that we are less than. And if you have an issue with the pelvic floor, I can tell you that a lot of women feel that way. But just because something is common doesn't make it necessarily the norm, right? And women who keep this secretive, and I have women in my community right now who don't even want to get on Facebook and talk about it. I'm like, well, the moment that you say, yes, I suffer from this, it's the moment that you open the door for the healing to come in. But if you close yourself down, if you are ashamed, 
if you're suffering in silence, right? Then that's when sometimes you're not getting different kinds of opinions and you can set yourself up. In the beginning, I did this. I set myself up for all those injections and I'm, I'm surprised I didn't get a surgery. Thank God. Because you don't need a surgery if I have these issues, even more than I have these issues. And I think it was because I was so embarrassed about myself and I felt so broken because I couldn't even make love that I didn't tell anybody. But the moment that I told my girlfriends, they said, oh my God, me too. Oh my God. Oh my God. This, that. I have it too. Oh, what do you do? And I'm like, we're going to find a solution for this. And the moment that, that we open up and we say, yes, that is me. That's the moment that we open the door to extreme healing, right? Everything has a crack in it. That's how the light gets in. But we can't be embarrassed or ashamed anymore. And we, we can't silence our voices. It, just, it, it has to find a way to confide in someone, at least one person. Once you tell one person, you tell 10 others, you know? Mm -hmm. That's so true. I'm so, thank you for, thank you for sharing that. I just wanted to have that conversation because I had a feeling that that has come up. I know that it's been within my family. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it was, the, it was what we learned. And I mean, clearly there's been a lot of unlearning of that and recognizing the need to have this conversation with that said, as women are hearing this for the first time, because more and more of these conversations need to be happening. Where do we start? Where do women start to take back control of their pelvic health? I think women can take back control of their pelvic health when they become an educated consumer and when they know about their bodies and when they start to do just the same way that we do monthly exams, right? That's encouraged by the American Medical Association. Why are we not encouraged to do monthly vulva vaginal exams and monthly testing of our own muscles? So I think the first place you start is you ask yourself, am I suffering? Do I have these symptoms? And how do I want to seek the help, right? Am I one of those individuals that says, I'm a go-getter and I'm going to do ESA's online program? Or do I need to, to go and have someone help me in the process and then take a program? So it really depends on the individual. But I think everything has to start with, am I suffering from it? Because the thing is, a lot of women feel that leaking is normal after they have a baby. Or leaking is normal when they do CrossFit. You know, they call it the double undies right? Mm -hmm. Or leaking is normal when they go for a run or when they sneeze and they cough. And when we realize that, or, or that pain with sex, oh, I have to move position here. Or I have to shift position there. No, sex needs to be wonderful, pain-free, period. There should be no, I got to move positions. And the moment that we say, hey, wait a minute, this is not normal. I need help, right? Just because it's common doesn't make it normal, mm -hmm. right? And I think that we're so indoctrinated into thinking that this is part of being a woman, that part of being a woman is suffering in our pelvis, right? Menstrual cramps, come on. No woman should be having menstrual cramps. Pain with sex, oh, you know what, let me, it's, it's, he's too big. I mean, you know, I've heard 10,000 excuses or 10,000 reasons for why they think something is happening. Or I just had a baby, of course I should leak. Of course, I should have pain. And I'm here to tell you, no, you don't have to live that way. There are things that you can do to remedy this and to fix it so that you can feel more grounded in your body and you can feel this vitality of, of being a woman, this sexual vitality, which I think is super important, especially as we age, right? You're not going to 50s and 60s and have to give it all up because you, you're wearing panty liners or depends. Right. And I really believe that it's the responsibility of any doctor who sees a woman 
to recommend this line of defense first before they say, hey, let's go underneath the knife and give you a bladder lift or, you know, give you a mesh surgery, which we know that has tons of repercussions with it. So true. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. I think that's the big concern is that a lot of these solutions are, are easy. They, they, they can be solved yet the types of recommendations that women are getting in the doctor's office are not pointing them in this direction. They, they're more invasive or they're not getting to the root of the problem at all to begin with. And that's the thing. It's like, we can't give, and I'm so glad that you said that Marisa, because it's 100% perfect. Is that we have to get to the root problem. We can't, band-aid things anymore, right? Because the doctor is going to give you a band-aid solution. You want to align yourself with a physician in a naturopath or osteopath, whatever, physical therapist, whomever, that is looking for the root causes so that we can fix you from the inside out, or you can fix yourself, I should say, from the inside out. We can't do it alone. No woman is an island. We all need help. Mm -hmm. So saying, yeah, me too. I, I need help. Who should I go see? Agreed. You know? I agree. What I love most about you besides, I mean, the realness, the authenticity, the really understanding what women are going through is the community that you've created for women as well, right? To have those conversations, to be able to support each other. Issa, where can we, where can we plug in? How do we get to know you? Where, how do we get to learn about all the things that you're offering? Because I know there are so many women listening right now who are like, okay, how, where do I get started? Where, how do I do this? Well, thank you for asking that. The first thing that I did was I created a special gift for your community. Yay! Okay? The ultimate guide to happier lady parts. And I want everybody to download that, okay? Because it's a beginning. It's an introduction, right? So Pelvic pain relief, front slash, Dr. Marisa, you're going to find it there. But you can also plug into, into my community and check out my website, pelvicpainrelief.com. I give so much free stuff away. And, and I give when I give something, I give the best. I don't hold back, right? And then those who resonate with my message, who like this particular kind of care, then they typically follow me or join my, my Facebook group or, or they, they join my email list or they, they sign up for one of my online programs all for public health. So the best way is to get the gift from Dr. Marisa. I want everyone to have that. And then just check out the website, pelvicpainrelief.com. There you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, you know, Social media, you can find anybody these days. If you can't find me, there's a problem. Then I got to be talking to my team. <laughs> well, we're going to, well, we'll have all of the links inside of the show notes. I'm so glad you gave us the sites as well, but we'll have those inside of the show notes so that we make sure you guys are all hooked up to grab that. Isa, honey, any, any last words of inspiration you want to leave us with? Yeah, thank you for asking that. I always want to say something really like profound, but I think that the one thing that I want women to, to get from this is that all is within your hands. And this is something that's fixable. And this is something that you can actually do on your own with the proper guidance, of course. And to know that things change, nothing, nothing is static. Healing is circular, right? And that you, you should align yourself with the people who are really gonna be there to partner with you, right? And to the most important thing is to trust your inner voice, man. And do not go against that voice that tells you, don't do that, right? Follow this path instead. But so many times we squash down that inner voice because we don't trust our bodies anymore. That would be my parting words of wisdom. Mm, that's so true. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your incredible brilliance and the real talk, girl, and really the hope that you're giving to so many of us who some people for the first time are hearing this thinking, oh my gosh, I had no idea there was another option. I didn't realize it was interconnected and I didn't realize I could have a new normal. And I think that's what you're bringing to the table today. And thank you so much for having me and for, for bringing this topic to your community because it is a niche topic and it's so important that we get it out there. And I, I want to express my gratitude to you, Dr. Marisa, for having this topic and for inviting me. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. See you soon, Hen. Thank you. I can't tell you how grateful I am to be having this conversation with Isa today. I know how important it is to be having this conversation about pelvic pain and being able to educate women on what to look out for so that we don't feel ashamed and we don't feel embarrassed by what is going on with our body. It's time for us to start having more of these conversations because pelvic pain can be treated naturally and safely. We shouldn't have to live in shame because we are in pain. Now, if you're struggling with pelvic pain, no matter how minor, I want to invite you to go check out Issa's wonderful little gift that she just talked to us about. And you can find that gift in the show notes for episode 137 or go to my website, drmarisa.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast. Finally, this episode, I am coming back and I'm going to be sharing a solo episode on the top 10 hormone supplements. Now, I know this is an interesting topic to navigate because so often we're being told to take this or take that. I'm hoping to provide you with some really incredible clarity on this next episode. So I can't wait to share my top recommendations. And until then, have an amazing day. Bye.